All right, and we are live. What is going on, my specialist SPC here? And welcome to the very first episode of the Takalorian Live. As you guys see, I have got my two co-hosts today. I've got Ren Geekness over here. Hi, how's it all going? Yeah, and I got Andy King here as well again. How are we doing, y'all? So, guys... Episode one, or I guess chapter nine of The Mandalorian. It's finally here. We finally got to watch it. I've watched it twice in the last two days. I don't know how many times you guys have watched it, but Red, let's start off with you, man. What did you think? So I think this is one of the best episodes of the entire show. Granted, it's just first episode of the second season, nine episodes in total. There's not much to pick and choose from, but I really, really love it. This is up there with episode three and seven and eight for me. It was such a good return for the show. Like, we're back. Mandalorian's back. It's a weekly event. Come back every week. Check it out. I love what Jon Favreau did direction-wise, uh, but I guess we'll, we'll get into it a lot throughout this Tokalorian show. And my favorite thing, the more and more I think about it, and I've seen it twice too. I So quick story time. Every day I wake up, grab a cup of coffee. 30 minutes later, I work out. And then on Fridays, I watch The Mandalorian. So it's literally the first thing I watch whenever Friday is on. Um, and so I watched and then I, I came to bed at like 11 p.m. in the night. And just before I go to sleep, all right, Mandalorian again. So first thing I watch, last thing I watch on this Friday. Maybe I'll do that every week. Uh, my my One of my favorite things, the more and more I see it, and again, I've seen it twice, it's that opening sequence of Mandalorian and Baby Yoda through the dark alley streets as he goes down to the fight club, as I like to call it. Um, because it mirrors so much of the opening scene of the premiere episode of season one, but now he's not alone. He's got Baby Yoda, and I love how... They're pretty much working as a team. Now Baby Yoda knows when he's got to go for cover and hide and just stay behind and not interrupt him. And he's much more controlled than he was in the past season. So it feels like they're gelling together. They don't need to say anything to one another. They just work very, very well. Even the work for Baby Yoda is kind of just hide away now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, man. Like this, the whole first like five minutes before the opening it just it seemed just mirror image almost of the previous season except there's just you know a little bit more dialogue and stuff with yoda or i guess with uh, mando but yeah. i i actually can say one of the things i liked a lot about like that opening part is even with not even a lot of baby yoda and stuff but i don't know how like closely you looked like I watched this part maybe five times, but I wrote down there are so many like little hidden Easter eggs and the graffiti on the wall. Oh yeah, really? There's there's C three PO. There's tons of stormtroopers. Uh, uh, also, Jawas. Uh, the Rebel insignia is on there, and uh, I couldn't find it, but I think there's like a there's like a droid concept art in there too. Kind of looks like Zerg yeah. from Toy Story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I could describe it. I talked about that in my review, like, oh, did everyone know graffiti was a thing in Star Wars? Because I didn't like, I know there are people who paint. And one of my friends called out in the comments that Sabine Wren is an artist. And in, in Rebels, she painted her helmet. She painted everyone's helmets. She painted her hair. And I'm like, could Sabine have done that? Because she's supposed to be on the season. Could that have been Sabine? 
Could we see more of that in the coming episodes? That's a good question, though. Andy, what did you think about the opening to the show? Um, I kind of, I guess, alluded to this a little earlier, but yeah, you know, it was a good episode. I thought it was a little safe. You know, like, uh, I'm not even saying that in a bad way. I really liked it, especially, Ren, like you said, that opening sequence was brutal. Um, You know, obviously, without going into too much, it was awesome. But, you know, I felt it was safe. Uh, we saw a little bit of, you know, we saw stuff we'd seen before. We, well, is this like a spoiler? Are we doing spoilers or are we doing? Yeah, this is all spoilers. Okay. Yeah. About yeah. Okay. Open to him leaving him to like the street dogs to die was awesome. But, you know, we go, we go back to Tatooine, which wasn't a bad thing. You know, um, we meet a new character. That's great. But I didn't feel like the series really progressed from this episode. Um, I mean, we had the figure at the end. You know, maybe that's. Maybe that's the actual Mandalorian who wasn't there to find or something, but you know, I don't, I don't feel like I've progressed that much in the narrative from watching this episode. That's not to say I didn't like it. That's not to say it's actually not one of my favorite episodes of the series, just because I like kind of basic plots, like like basic Western <laughs> plots like that, which makes it so much more fun for me. But just in terms of like a plot progression thing, I felt like it was safe. I mean, you're definitely not wrong, man. I mean, like we were just saying, that opening part, it's almost at times like beat for beat of that very first episode. Yeah. Even how it ends, like he kills someone or in this case leaves someone to die in a very brutal way. You just don't see it. And then the scene is over and, and yeah. we move on to, to the main plot of, of, the, of the episode itself. I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, like the Gamorians who are fighting in the ring that they're... Uh using vibro blades too. The, yeah, yeah. One of the weapons that Mando uses in the earlier yeah. episodes. Yeah, I Ooh. saw that. I thought that it had a different look to it, like when they hit each other. So I was like, is that a vibro blade? Is it? And then I went and, and remembered that in the comics, it looks more like, like that. Um, and so it all clicked right away. But at the time I was like, is that supposed to be a vibro blade? Is that? the vibro on the vibro blade uh that is happening so at first i was confused because it had a different look the thing that caught my attention the most was the core golesh the the alien mando was there to see and ask for for information i was like i know this dude's voice somewhere and then i still haven't been able to fully double check 100 so take this with a grain of salt but on the credits john leguizamo was in this episode oh what really he, so it's he's either the guy that guy that Mendel leaves to die, or he's the bartender on Moss Pelgo, because those are the only two options I see. I mean, he's not gonna have been playing a, 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 a Tuscan Raider. He, well, he's clearly not the Oliphant. I mean, he could have been. <laughs> he could have been the crate Dragon. You don't know that, you know. That's true. Method acting, Andy. You're very right. <laughs> you, you know, I watching this. Like, there were so many, like, especially as Andy brought up, we're over on Tatooine this time around, but uh, there were lots of, like, Easter eggs and callbacks to, like, everything that's happened on Tatooine and all mm. the other movies. Like, oh, I've already got Cobb Vanth, the guy yeah, who Vanth, yeah. the Olivanth place. Mm-hmm. His speeder bike is made out of the front part of Anakin's pod racer from episode one. Oh, yes. I noticed that, too. I mean, I... It, 
at the, the first time I watched it, I was like, "That that's a pod race. It yep. just didn't click with me that it was Anakin specifically. But then during the day, I was like, totally Anakin, like, what is this from? What is this and, reference? I mean, yeah. And the armor was Fet, the armor was Fett's armor, right? I mean, that was yes. clearly like, yeah, yep. yeah. Okay. I was yeah. making sure I wasn't losing my mind because I was because I feel like they did enough to like use the first season to flesh, like distinguish it enough from the rest of the Star Wars universe that now they can add a lot more times the overarching universe. So I feel like that's actually, you know what? I think this episode did that. It like did a lot of segueing into like tying it into what we saw in Tatooine in the original trilogy, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, well, the original trilogies, I guess. Yeah. Because I like how when as soon as Mando starts coming in, they're flying over Beggar's Canyon, where, of course, we've seen the Tusken Raiders attack Luke in Episode 4. Mm-hmm. I'm very convinced that this must be Jon Favreau's favorite planet in the entire series, because he put, <laughs> dude, he put so much attention to details in this. Mm-hmm. Like, even later on in the episode when uh, Mando and Cobb are about ready to go fight the... The crate dragon or the crate dragon, that's oh. what it's called, or the Leviathan, whatever you guess you want to call it. He says, Protect the child. What are you gonna do? Kill it, and he hits him in the back in the yeah. jetpack and he flies off. Well, immediately, first thing I thought of was Han hitting Boba Oh, in the back. yeah, I'm like, I'm like such yeah. a callback, especially to just more poetic that he's wearing the Boba Fett armor. Yep, it's, can, can I make an unpopular opinion? Oh boy, here we go. I think the armor looks better on Vance than it does on actual Boba. Whoa! I, I just like how like different it is. It's not like the full Mando armor, but it's, I, I, I it's, like it. It's funny you say that, and and hard to compare because clearly it wasn't Tim Ware Morrison on on the original trilogy. But what I thought was that the armor looked bad on Cobb Vance, but purposefully so yes it's not supposed to be him the chin like ends up here and you can see his chin well, out of the armor yeah the abdomen ends like under the chest and it doesn't fully protect him like it's absolutely horrible for him specifically to wear but i thought that was done in such a purposeful manner like it's right. supposed to look bad um that he immediately takes the helmet off like without caring for the tradition of the mandalorians and i could i could kind of feel like oh he knows it doesn't look good it's just for show yep well yeah show and at the end of the day i mean if you got belcar armor on you got belcar armor you know you're increasing your chance yeah. of staying alive so it doesn't matter if it fits you're and I, I don't that's know true. it's a status symbol you know like too mm-hmm. yeah no like even just watching it again i'm like oh, man i not a fan of the character Boba, but I love like that armor looks. I, I like the yeah. armor on Cobb way better. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, plus this is the first like that's what I like about the Mandalorian series is that Mandalorians were always such a cool. I didn't get too much into like the EU, you know, like the extended universe and all that, but like just Don't, it's a trap. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> trilogy kind of undid and threw out everything. So now it's like there's no. There's a little no point. Either way, it's so you never really get that much of an investment in Mandalorian. So this is like the best time for you to like actually. Oh, these are cool characters. Now we get to actually see them fleshed out outside of the uh, the original actual movies. So that's what's great to me about this series moving forward. It's just that I really like the idea of Mandalorians. I just never got that intro- as introduced to them as I wanted in the like actual Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
I definitely have to say, too, the thing this series has done well, I, we didn't talk about it last time, but how all these, like, just small little, like, characters or species in Star Wars are, like, making them a bigger part of the world, like this mm-hmm. episode with the Tusken Raiders, and I think it was episode two of last season with the Jawas. And yeah. I, like, I like how all these just minor guys you've only seen a couple times in the series, like, they're actually playing a bigger part. Yep. Yeah. And it also speaks to how how big fans John Favreau and Dave Filoni are cuz you were bringing up how how John Favreau must be a true geek and this and Tatooine must be his favorite player planet but it's like when you look at the iconography of Star Wars like Tatooine is the is the most beautiful planet to shoot in. Um, mm. It gives the best Im- even the last image of of this episode with the, with the wide shot of Mando going on a speeder bike and you see the twin sons. Then someone is looking at him, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure. But oh, just yeah. that image alone, I, f- I feel like I want to paint that on my wall. Just the twin sons. It's such a legendary mm-hmm. image uh, that evokes so much of what Star Wars is, where it began and where it ended. Whether you like it or not, it began and ended yeah. there. Um, so, uh, I think, I think it shows how, how geeks they are about it. They're, they're just like us. They just, just actually get to play with the big toys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel either, man, but I watching this episode, I felt like I was watching a movie instead of like oh, yeah. an episode. Like this, this was shot just so well. Like I, I like John Favreau. He's easily one of my favorite directors, but man, this they must have definitely raised like the production value of this season because mm. it's this it was this was a mm-hmm. really good episode just film wise, cinematography wise, look wise. It was well. Awesome. I also like that they didn't like throw out the jetpack. You know, like that we actually get to see some oh, yeah. jetpack action. Like that's such a kind of geeky thing to say, but it's like I mean, you know, one <laughs> Mando's been wanting this. Mando wanted the jetpack, and we get to see our boy get his jetpack and use his jetpack, but. I, like with production costs, it's always like cheap in shows when you see someone who has this awesome piece of technology and they can't or don't use it or there's a convenient plot excuse because, you know, it costs a lot to like, you know, actually render in the show or to use or the special effects. So actually seeing him use it like extensively in the first episode was really nice from a production quality aspect, like you said. Yeah, like this, this to me personally, just it's the best shot episode that's been on the series so far. Yeah, and and it speaks to how much John Farrow wanted to make this look cinematic because he changes the aspect ratio just right. Like medium oh. and close-ups are are very closed out. You have the big bars around the screen. It makes it feel more intimate, more personal, more calm. And then for the wide shots, when spoilers, the crate dragon explodes, and when they're flying around, the the big wides, the bars are gone. You see this big awesome looking explosion and then he just does cool stuff to be honest he he plays by the rule of cool which always applies like seeing Cobb Vanth and Mandalore and the man and Mando both flying around and going up to the rock did that need to happen no because at the end of the day it accomplished nothing but oh my god did I love seeing them both flying around and shooting at the great dragon well and that's also when you say the rule of cool like another thing is like don't tell me, show me, or like, what is it? The, the what is better than the why or whatever. And it's like, they never like show the full crate dragon, you know? Yeah. And that was cool to me too, because then it's like, you don't know how 
truly monstrous this thing is you know it like yeah. adds that kind of mythological proportion to it you know that like just gives it a deeper sense of lore you know it's like when you see some monsters you see like oh they've got like tiny little legs or like something like that yeah kind of robs me of that sense of grandeur so gosh thing was just terrifying and like beautifully realized like you said yeah. when they're flying around though that is cool because it does grant like this sense of scale to it you know like mm -hmm. that they're having like it looks cool, but they're asking you to have like, to like kind of maneuver it because it's got acid spit. It's so its reach is extensive. You know, it's like yeah. looking at a freaking Tarascan D and D. You know, you gotta like I don't know <laughs> it's just gigantic. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, the thing I agree with you. the The scene that made me realize that that they were following those rules was that scene where the Tuscan Raiders are are trying to to prepare a plan and they have the skeleton. And then the little rocks like what's that? That's the great dragon. The little rocks. That's us. It's not, <laughs> it's not that big. It can't be that big. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, the, this even, like, when you actually get towards more, like, the fight with the dragon, like, it, yeah. it shifts from almost, like, the classic Western that we're all used to to almost, like, a medieval battle almost. Yeah. You've got, you got the big old harpoons and everything and old school cycler rifles and everything. I, I loved it. So good, so good. And cutting back to Baby Yoda with the reaction shots, is it's a little touch that goes a long way. It's not just, yes, he's cute, and I love all those shots because of that, but going back to how he's feeling because we have that relationship established on the opening scene with him and Mando just works so well for character. I yeah. actually like how it focuses more on like the story this time around, but you just get mm -hmm. like random shots here and there of like, Oh, Hey, just so you guys know, baby Yoda's still here. I mean, yeah, I, I like how they utilized the child in this episode. I thought they did really good with that as well. Plus it wasn't like extensively, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, it's clear that baby Yoda's in essence, the mascot of the series. He's the one selling toys. Let's call it what it is. Although if there were like a model kit of the Mandalorian, I'd probably buy that. I love putting those things together. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. But it's like, you know, they don't they don't force it down your throat that he's there or he's cute. You know, like there are, like you mm -hmm. said, there are shots in their in their interspersed or like you know spread out, but they're just that they're shots. They're not just like awkward little like extended periods of like watching him do stuff or which are yeah. honestly still fun, but in mm -hmm. moderation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not like they, they have someone having an important conversation and they cut to baby Yoda while those people are having the important conversation and, and take away from the story. They they it felt just right. Like Mando is doing something, Mando is getting attacked or he's attacking and you see baby Yoda like looking around and, and reacting to it. Yeah. And he doesn't have to rely on like I mean when they took down the mudhorn, like baby Yoda mm. baby Yoda like lifting that thing in the air was massive. Like it was major, it's beautiful. But the fact that Throughout the rest of the series, that's not a consistent, you know, like, that's not a given that Baby Yoda's powers are going to bail him out of Dodge or they're not like mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, last chance sort of thing. So I think that's cool is that it's clearly known that Baby Yoda is powerful, but, you know, he's not the ace in the hole. You know, he doesn't just like he's not the deus ex machina. They're deus ex exactly. machina. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not counting on him or expecting him to get everyone out of Dodge. It's just like, OK, he's powerful. He just doesn't use it. You know, like, or yeah. can't control it too, too often or whatever. You know, it's. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, though. Like, I thought after the crate Dragon came out of the top of the mountain and started coming down, I was I was waiting for Baby Yoda to, like, lift up his <laughs> hand and do something. I'm right, like, exactly. 
Like I, I thought he was gonna go like full star killer and like bring it down on top oh, of the oh my uh, god, god. top of the explosives or whatever, man. And I, I'm gonna point this out here, man. You know, the real hero of this episode is that Bantha man. I mean, he had no choice but to give that give himself up. Mm-hmm. Poor was... Banthas, man. Yeah. I hate seeing animals dying, even if they're fake animals that don't exist, especially because it looks so good with the practical effects. The I don't real like to me. Dying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man, he, he's the true hero of this episode, man. I'm I agree. I'm gonna throw it out there. I agree. For all the Banthas, we oh, raised yeah. one to you. Rest, rest in peace to the, all rest. the anthos we lost in this episode. Rip, spill a sip. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> so uh, that's Star Wars guy in here. Welcome back, man. Uh, what if a Jedi pops up out of nowhere? What? How would you guys react? I guess for me, it would have to depend on the actual Jedi. Like, mm. I mean, we all kind of already know Ahsoka is supposed to be in here somewhere. So that's not going to be like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. One episode. Yeah, if, I mean, if we see, like, I don't know, like, just figure till you say, like, the ghost of Obi-Wan or something there somewhere. Mando. Yeah, and I'm still uh, I'm still sticking with my theory that, I mean, because we don't even know enough about Yoda's species. Like, even, like, last time we discussed this, I was telling y'all, like, I was trying so hard to find out information because I was like, huh, <laughs> it's crazy. I've known Star Wars growing up, and I've never, like, found out much more about Yoda's species. And then I realized that was intentional you know it's like because because yeah. it's still a mystery yeah we don't even know the name that's yeah, why right. it. it's like finding a baby out in space and calling it i don't know baby austin just because yeah. it's <laughs> the only human they know it's but a baby no, austin for real and like a lot of people another interesting thing is like i don't think anyone in the series has actually connected this thing to yoda yet you know, like, yeah, you're right. You no, know, like, no one's actually said, like, oh, yeah, I've seen this. This looks very similar to a Jedi Master, you know, like, or no one's actually, like, explicitly, as far as I know, I could be wrong, like, pointed out a direct connection that it at least looks like Yoda, which makes That's sense because Yoda's species is, like, so rare. There's not even, like, a name for it, you know, like, in our established canon yeah. and all that. So I don't know. Like, it- that's weird to me. It's true, and now that you brought it up, there's one character that the Star Wars guy also pointed out, and that character is confirmed to be on the show. But oh, as far as Bo-Katan does know, at least of of Yoda, right? I might be mistaken. I don't know if she knows Yoda himself, like if they know each other, but I think she knows of Yoda. She can't have forgotten, I think. Hmm. Again, I, I haven't watched a bunch of Clone Wars, so I don't know a lot about this Bo-Katan. I had to have a coworker of mine kind of tell me a bit about her. So I, I know a bit, but not enough to, again, get me excited for her to pop up on here. Uh, she's a badass. She was part of Death Watch. She was the sister of Empress Satine, who was yep. Obi-Wan's lover. Um, and she helped uh, Ahsoka in the final siege of Mandalore. Uh, against uh, Darth Maul, and then she popped up in in Rebels. And if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Sabine or Sabine's mother herself, but she popped up in Rebels. And if I'm not mistaken, before season the season one finale of The Mandalorian, she was the last person to have the dark saber. You mentioned that, yeah, yeah. Gosh, I was gonna say, oh. yeah, I'm pretty sure you said that last episode. I did. Okay. No, no, no. Which I, is, I just like Bo-Katan. <laughs> no, no, but that's good to that's good to revisit it because I mean, like, 
like I said, you know, like I, I said it was a safe episode, but then like y'all pointed out a bunch of things that I didn't even think about. Like it's a safe episode on the surface where like, you know, like I said, standard Western fare, but like then y'all pointed out there's a lot of like illusions, cameos, like Easter eggs, like that pointed to being directly like, like being interconnected, you know, like yeah. it being in Tatooine, like we've got that armor, we've got, like you said, Anakin's speeder um, piece. I mean, his uh, racer piece is on guy's speeder bike i mean there's so many things that like it's safe on the surface like someone could go and watch it like without seeing the rest of the mandalorian and think it's cool but for someone who's like vested in the star wars universe it's like kind of a big deal because there's a lot going on yeah well it, we didn't bring it up but even Cobb vanth he's a character from the books uh in canon yeah. he's he's from one of the aftermath books i believe the second one I believe the second one, because I've read all three. The first one and the second one are very forgettable. I, I enjoy the third one, even though I forgot it as well by this point, because I, I read all the books. Um, but he's one character from the books, and, and he has the... Or he talks about the Boba Fett armor. That's why when people took pictures of him on set and he had the Mandalorian, the Boba Fett armor, everyone was like, oh, he's... Kavan from the books, blah blah. Oh, that's awesome. Everyone started theorizing. Yeah. What, what did you guys think about that the character overall of Cobb Vanth and Timothy Oliphant and his performance? Go ahead. I'll let you have it. Oh, okay. I'll let you have it, Ren. I'll let you have it. So uh Timothy Oliphant is always a treat. Like mm -hmm. he's one of the most underrated actors out there. The first time I watched it, and I do not like the movie, so don't think I like the movie just because I'm bringing it up, but Hitman Agent 47 was the first time I watched what? it. What? Yeah. <laughs> and then Justified is an amazing yep. show. Okay, there we go. Yeah. That's Timothy Oliphant's peak. And then just last year, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which this show had... He didn't feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it felt very much like the shows within Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait, 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 wait. He was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was. He's in the show where Leonardo DiCaprio goes and he keeps forgetting his lines. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he's the sheriff of the town at a meeting at the table. Um, so I, I really like this actor. The character was very interesting to me because he's he's not a bad guy in, in the books, yeah. but he comes across as someone like, is is this a good guy? Is are we sure we can trust him? And and in the show, I felt that way not because of his performance, not because of the way they wrote him, but because I read that about that character in the books. And mm -hmm. so even when we go to the flashback, and I'm like, oh, so he's a good guy, or he wants me to think he's a good guy, and he's telling the story in a way that is not actually true. But then by the end, he didn't betray Mando. He didn't yep. betray the Tuscan Raider with his people. He gave the armor away. So he came across as a really good guy, which I have no problem with. I really like, and I do hope we get to see a lot more of him. I just thought it was interesting that they went in that decision, well, in that direction, I mean. And I mean, I thought that was cool that they both agreed that they wish, because Mando is very blunt in what he says, <laughs> you know. So the fact that he said that they hope their paths cross again, I thought that was, you know, that like got me, that got me in my feels. I'm gonna be, I don't know why, but it was like one of those cool, like, you know, those moments of like characters start start at odds and then they're like war brothers by the end of the big conflict. Yeah. So I know that always gets me. That always gets me. But yeah, you know, he was a good dude by his word. Maybe he was rough around the edges, but I like Timothy Oliphant um, in Santa Clara Diet or whatever. He was really good. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he was like goofier in that role, but 
every time I see him, like he's just like fun to watch because it feels like he's actually besting himself in whatever he's doing. And you know, in this one, he's just a cocky sheriff. You know, yeah, he's a cocky sheriff. Seems like kind of sus, but at the, <laughs> at the end of it, you're like, oh, this is a good dude. He's even willing to team up with like the Tuscan Raiders to like save his people. <laughs> you know, is <laughs> like that. I don't know Th- that's the part where I'm like, oh, okay, like might be a good dude. Yeah. I definitely think he's one of the better, like, supported, supportive secondary characters in the show. I mean, we kind of talked about it last time, you know, that cocky younger guy from episode five of last Yes! He, oh. he, he wasn't all that great. And after, you know, finding out who he is, like, in real life, it unfortunately didn't help. But he's still yeah, still not <laughs> bad. But, like, I can, I'm going to say this. I like him better than, like, Cara Dune or even Grief mm. Karga. Yeah, but, uh, but even even again at the same time, like I brought up a little bit earlier, that I liked how they kind of stuck with the story, but they didn't yeah. really talk much about like what happened at the end of last season with yeah everything that happened on Navarro and all that. And I just like how this was like we keep saying all the time. This is like a self-contained story, but it still expands on you know. Mando's adventures yeah. trying to yep. find the child's ancestry yeah. or whatever. Actually, that kind of leads us to another question is uh, that Star Wars guy was asking, do you think Mando is going to find the rest of the Mandalorians or something? I don't think he's going to find the rest of them. I, I think he's going to find Bo-Katan yeah. and, and, and Sabine, maybe. Um and and Captain Rex for sure, because at least the actor is on the show. We know that at this point. Um, but I I, th- I think he is. Whether they're gonna lead him, they're gonna take Baby Yoda and lead them to the Jedi. Uh, no, they're not gonna take Baby Yoda because, as you said, Andy, he's the one selling the toys. <laughs> and I swear to God, if they separate Mando from Baby Yoda, I'm quitting this show. Uh, <laughs> Every, everyone writes. That's... Exactly. Um, but I think they will. They will get needed information. And that also opens up maybe for a Bo-Katan show. Maybe a mini series of just one season. But I would really love to see that because I love Katie Sackhoff, mm. uh, both as an actress and as the voice of Bo-Katan. And I love so much that they're bringing her into the live action take on the character, given that she is the voice of, of the character yeah. in Clone Wars. Yeah. I feel like this season's gonna be like like a building block for like we keep like you said, like future shows. Like mm-hmm. I mean it's no surprise. I mean honestly I think we're gonna talk about it next anyway, but you know, Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Like it's, oh yeah. Like I I honestly will see how this series goes, but I, I bet you there'll probably be a Boba Fett show. Yeah, but Ooh. well, I mean, remember, we still haven't gotten the uh, the Obi Wan show with uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I yep. mean, that, that's literally been like confirmed forever, yeah. forever ago. So, but twenty twenty happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. twenty twenty, man. Uh, but he has so... he has now confirmed, like recently. I think he w- it was it was this month. It was like at the beginning of this month. He was on the Graham Norton show which is a talk show over here in the UK. And uh, he said that they start shooting in March. They, they're on the same place uh, that the Mandalorian shoots with that, with that screen behind them to make the environments and whatnot. Yeah. And oh, wow. We're going to go on in March. So maybe March 2022, we get Obi-Wan. 
Dang. Still too far away, man. But uh, yeah, that's that is definitely one of the most hyped shows for Disney Plus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like this is the idea that the Star Wars solo films were trying to accomplish. You know, like the spinoff films that, like the fun experiment of seeing how like solo characters and like kind of concept pieces work in the Star Wars universe. Except it's actually doing what like solo couldn't do you know or what were the i know like rogue one i liked rogue one but solo wasn't too great i know people liked it but you know compared to like the rest of the star wars series it just kind of felt flat in terms of getting the momentum that people wanted so mm. yeah um i really hope that the mandalorian continues that trend of the star wars canon taking risks you know mm-hmm. with respect to like shows because shows are so much better at like fleshing out the universe to me i agree so on to the next subject at hand, as I just said. We are going to talk now about that nice, amazing cameo at the end of the show. Miss Boba Fett is still alive five years after Return of the Jedi. Hell yeah. All right. So you two, uh, you know, this is weird. I told you two last time we were here on the show that... uh I'm not a fan of Boba Fett. I, I, I think he's very, very overrated. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie, man. When he turned around, I mean, I figured that's who it was anyway. But when he turned around and I saw Tamora Morrison's face, my jaw dropped. Like, I was yeah. actually super, like, excited. Like, and I said it too last time. If they can do something good, cool, and unique with Boba in this show, he might move up a little bit for me, but... What were you? Oh, I guess the next thing. Do you guys see everything that was on his back? I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I I knew he was Mandalorian because he had the rifle. You know what I mean? Or like, so he had the like Mandalorian rifle and weaponry. But I straight up didn't know it was Boba. <laughs> like I I had never like actually looked up the actor, which is gonna be weird. Mm. So I knew or suspected highly that he was Mandalorian. But thank you for confirming that. I should have. Yeah. You know, I should have Googled that. I have a theory. He was one of the Tuscans. Oh, because he has he has the cycler rifle that they've all had, and he's also mm. got their their staff that, if you remember, yeah. he, one of the Tuscans is cleaning the Bantha's teeth with it when they yep. oh, go yeah. to the camp. I, I think deep down he was maybe like watching in the shadows. He was one of like the background Tuscans. Yeah. He was watching Mando to see how he was doing. Oh, that's a good theory. I I didn't think of it. I had the feeling, even though there's no indication to that within within the episode, that yeah. that he has been watching the events of the episode throughout. But I didn't think about that. That's a good theory. I like that he's armed to the teeth, like from head to toe. The dude is ready for war. He's all scarred up. He's pissed. I love that. There's um there's a reference even to him before he shows up, like. Uh, Mando is talking about a, an empty Sarlacc pit, uh, and and Kavanth is like, "There's no, there's no such thing as an empty Sarlacc pit. It is if you kill the Sarlacc." Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the confirmation of him well, maybe using uh, his launcher in the back or something to get yeah. out. But I mean, yeah, I mean, or I don't know, maybe he had like a crap load of whistling birds on him or something. I mean, gosh. That's I like that. I like that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I I'm picking this one. I'm picking this theory. Birds. That's better. Like start like all all getting it, like, with holes like Swiss cheese from the inside. Man, 
But I mean, you know, like we know that Belcar steel is like dang near indestructible. I mean, it can even okay. block like lightsabers and all that. So mm-hmm. him riding it out in a Sarlacc isn't the most unrealistic thing to me at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, 3PO in uh, Return of the Jedi, he says something about how it takes like, as I don't remember if it's hundreds of years or thousands of years, but it takes a very long time for like things to digest inside the Sarlacc pit. Okay. So yeah. Slowly get eaten alive in there. Oh, like he, perfect. Yeah, just like you brought up. I mean, the Beskar armor. I mean, and Boba Fett gets gets uh, gets eaten, quote unquote, fully armed. So he must have had something on him. And I mean, once again, the Mandalorians are like the Boy Scouts of being Bad. assassins. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, like, he could have gotten out of there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, somebody yeah. made a fan film for Boba Fett. It's like only maybe yeah. ten minutes long of him escaping the Sarlacc pit. Mm-hmm. Shoot, maybe they're ca- like, maybe it's canon. Like, maybe they're just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like maybe yeah. John Favreau was like, oh yeah, you know what? We're going with this. <laughs> this is they, canon. We <laughs> made it when old canon was like thrown out, and before oh. they introduced the entirety of, of the new canon in. And people are like, "Oh, okay, new canon." So did Boba Fett survive? And they did, and everyone was like, "I don't know. I don't know if he did." And up until this point, they were like, "I don't know if he did." Until they announced like Boba Fett coming to the Mandalorian season two. Gosh, that is so crazy to me. It's just yeah. Once again, like you know, they're putting all the building blocks in place, like you said, Austin, just for either season three or for things to get like exponentially or logarithmically, like whatever you're gonna call it, like just out of whack like i don't know i really want to see what they do with his character in this series because i mean he's trying to find the rest of the mandalorians so does does boba fett even know about the rest of the mandalorians is he even like trying to keep up with them or find them or is he like just going hermit mode i don't think he cares like what we know from boba fett like what we've seen of him in 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 clone wars and and even the original trilogy isn't a good example for things like this to expand the universe, even though it's perfect. Um, but from what we've seen of him, he separates himself from the rest of Mandalore because I, I believe Boba Fett finds himself superior because he's original. He's the son of the original. Mm. Um, so he considers himself like not a clone. Like he, he disregards them completely. And the Mandalorians in, in general, it's just... Who he, he wears the the armor itself more in homage to his father yeah. rather than, than um, the species uh, that he belongs to. So I don't think he cares, which I like because I feel like he was looking at Mando and he's like, "Oh, he has my armor," and so it's going to be a Mando on Mando showdown throughout the season. Or maybe, like you said, he doesn't care. Like maybe that signifies I'm done with it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, like true. The armor's gone. The armor's off the planet, and it's like. That's it, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like, or maybe he was like trying to make sure that the one Mandalorian who could maybe track him down was out of commission. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe that's why he was keeping track on Mando is make sure he doesn't get tracked yeah. down. Uh, I don't know. Or oh, I just thought of this. I just thought of this, but maybe he saw Baby Yoda, and somehow he knows there's a bounty on it. Oh, right, huh? He's a he's a bounty on her heart, man. Well, I mean, there's bounties on like Baby Yoda. Well, is there even a bounty on Baby Yoda anymore? I mean, like, I I gotta believe there is because the the um, the doctor and and Moff Gideon are still alive. Not that Mando knows yeah. it, but they're still alive, and I think they they would they still want Baby Yoda. 
That's true. Because, I mean, there'd be a bounty on Mando as well at this point, right? I mean, like... Also true. Maybe that's why he goes to ask for help, because we see in the trailers, like, he goes to Grief Karga and, and uh, Cara Dune for help, and then we see him aboard Imperial Spaceship. There's even a still shot that was released of Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon. It, it's very close up to his face, but it feels like he's inside uh, an Imperial uh, spaceship, and he's, like, on the... Oh, on the like on the, deck the, or... on the deck, yeah. Dang, that's awesome. Do you think Moff Gideon's going to hire Boba if he knows he's alive? <sighs> Tough to say, because who knows what, what Boba's reputation is at this point within the universe. Like, for... I, I'm, I'm saying he's dead. Like, I'm saying that, like, in canon, yeah. everyone thinks he's dead. Like, Exactly. That's a fair enough point. That's fair enough. <clears throat> But yeah, he could he could know that it's like his ace in the hole, you know, it's like having a Mandalorian on call. I don't know. So how do you guys think just this episode? I mean, even just like that ending shot, how do you think that's going to progress throughout the remainder of the series? Do you think he's gonna pop up in every episode? Do you think he's just gonna pop up here and there? Do you think maybe he'll be a big part of the next episode? Because I feel like that we're gonna be on Tatooine for a little bit longer next episode. Oh, really? Because I thought from the trailers, and they're trailers, they're supposed to mislead, but what do I know? Uh, it gives the impression that, at, so it's going to be eight episodes again, it gives the impression that most time will be spent on that desert, on the, not desert, the ice planet where, where the ship crashes, where the slave one crashes. And I got a theory that that's, Ilum, the planet where where Padawans used to craft their lightsabers, and Ahsoka is there isolating herself. Mm. Um, that's where we'll see her. But I don't know. I had, and we see lots of a few other planets on on the trailers. So I I don't know because it's not safe for him to to stay in one place. Like mm. there's a bounty on him, um, and it might catch up with him, especially. We're theorizing, but with Boba seeing him, is he going to call and and say, "Hey, the Mandalorian's here with the Baby Yoda"? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know because I feel like one of the episodes I saw was about like maybe an escort mission. You know, like I mean, like one of the descriptions mm. I was reading summaries. So I don't know what if he's got to transport Boba in exchange for information or whatever. I mean, I can't just I can't. Is Boba trying to stay on this planet? I don't know. I figure he's like tired of being on Tatooine after a point, right? Or something, but I mean Obi-Wan spent 19 or 20 years on Tatooine aged horribly. Yeah, so, but Obi-Wan didn't Tatooine. Yeah, Obi-Wan <laughs> didn't get caught in a Sarlacc pit. You know, he was just chilling out sage mode style, you know, like just But it but it has just been five years with Obi-Wan at least that were 30 years or, or something like that. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, and he aged horribly physically, but he turned into Sir Alec Guinness. So that's not too bad, I think. But I, again, I just remember something. And Austin, you might be right, because the point of this episode was Mando was looking for a Mandalorian. And it was supposed to be a Mandalorian. So now, does he think that, oh, it turns out it was just Cobb Vanth, there's no Mandalorian? Or does he think, oh, the Mandalorian in Tatooine must still be out there? Huh. I feel like he's going to keep searching because, mm. I mean, he even said he's like, oh, yeah, I uh, got these from the Jawas and uh, that was damaged when I got it. And I feel like yeah. he's probably still going to 
he'll probably go back to most likely go back to his ship, probably do mm-hmm. some more stuff. But I, I feel like we're going to be on Tatooine for another episode. Uh, okay. And uh, later, that Star Wars guy, he says he has to. That Star Wars guy, he says oh, he has yeah. to head out. So. Yeah. See you later, man. Bye. Thanks for joining. See ya. <clears throat> but yeah, I know. I feel like he. I feel like we're not done with Tatooine either. Like either A, he'll be on here next episode, or B, he's gonna like dip and then come back at some point. I don't know. Like mm. I don't I don't think we're done with Tatooine right now. I, I don't mind if we spend another episode of Tatooine, but if that stretches out to the third episode, I feel like that might be too much. Yeah. Um and and it reminds me of a line in this episode that I thought it was so funny even though it's not supposed to be in and granted in the Star Wars universe it makes sense but putting it in the perspective of real life it's so ridiculous cuz like oh there's a Mandalorian Tatooine and, it, and Mando is like oh I've been to Tatooine there's no one there it's like oh where's Andy he's on earth I'm on earth Andy's not here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah gosh but no, I think that is a funny line because once again, it's like you said, like, like, I don't know, Tatooine's kind of like the Jerusalem of Star Wars. Like, you know, like, in a, like that's, that's a weird analog, but it's like, it's the town or the planet where everything starts and everything ends, you know, it's got like a quote unquote mythological significance in the Star Wars canon. So, I mean, saying that no one's on Tatooine is like a funny line because it's like, Really? Because like Ray and like Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin and Luke, you know, is like saying no one's on like Tatooine is like, yeah, it's like saying nobody in Star Wars knows how to fly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> so you know, to that point, I do think that it's a funny line. Like as a Star Wars, you know, like as someone who watches Star Wars and keeps up with it, it's like mm-hmm. it does have that significance. It's just the the real world connotations are funny. I mean, I, I will say this, you know, I, Tatooine is easily one of my favorite planets in all of Star Wars. I mean, I don't really know what my favorite is yet, but it's like you said, Andy. I mean, it's very it's very nostalgic for Star Wars. I mean, like you said, there's so much stuff going on there. I mean, it's when we first meet Luke Skywalker. It's when mm-hmm. we first meet Anakin Skywalker, too. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's the last time we see Obi-Wan. And heck, it, it even ends the entire saga now with the rise of Skywalker, with yep. Ray burying the sabers and looking out at the Lars homestead and all that, seeing Luke and Leia out there in the middle of the desert. I mean, easily, it's the most nostalgic planet in the entire yeah. series. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, in popular opinion, I really love that ending itself, despite what I feel about the movie as a whole. I feel like that's just the right place to end it on. Dude, I, I will willingly say this. I cry every single time I watch that ending. Every really? time I've seen the movie like four or five times, oh. I, st- I, I still tear up. I'm like, God dang it, man. I've yeah. seen this a hundred times already. Now. I mean, yeah. I tear up, but for a different reason. You know, I mean, like, I get... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave you with that because I'm not going to, I'm not going to tread upon you. I think that level of emotional investment is awesome because yeah. I wish that the Star Wars. I wish that the Skywalker trilogy or, you know, the new trilogy had like ended the way I wanted it to. But at the same time, like the fact that people can enjoy the ending as much as you do, or like can have that emotional impact is way more important to me than what I think, because that's, you know, like I like that people can enjoy and have that investment. Like that, I wish I felt that about the trilogy on whole, you know, but yeah. like, you know, it's still a good trilogy. I still enjoyed force awakens and like a lot of the parts of the next two movies, but yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Star Wars is Star Wars. People love it. People enjoy it. Like, and that's the important part. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's a. I, I did cry the first time I watched it at that ending, Austin. So you're not alone. Ever since then, I I do get emotional. I do get. I love this ending in itself, just not the movie as a whole. Mm -hmm. But there's one scene that I did not cry the first time I watched it. In fact, the first time I watched it I was very 50-50 on it. But ever since then, the second, third, fourth, fifth, so on and so forth. Every time I watch the movie, I cry in the scene with when Kylo Ren sees his father, his father's ghost again. Oh. And, it's, and it's the exact same lines from The Force Awakens, but they mean something completely different. I love that. I still don't love overall that they turned Kylo to the good side. That was not his route whatsoever, but that's another discussion. I just love that scene. I wanted to say that I, I also get emotional on The Rise of Skywalker. I yeah. I love that movie, man. I, I will say it. I know it's man. very. I know so. I I know. I know. I was gonna say. I know a lot of people have their gripe with it, and it's. I will still say it. It's a very jumbled up mess. But man, I I have a blast watching, especially that opening scene with them doing the hyperspace jumping and yeah. all that. And I, yeah. Really, just everything on the Death Star is like the most is so just nostalgic, and it's just for mm -hmm. me the most powerful part of the film because if you if you think about it like with leia giving up her life to save ren it's every single person hi ren <laughs> every single member of like like the original trilogy like han tries to save ren and he ends mm -hmm. up killing him same thing yeah. with luke he tries to bring him back to the light and then leia it finally takes leia's death to finally just yeah. bring him back to the light. Like a lot of people have their problems with, you know, the original trilogy cast. So they're not together, which I will say does bother me quite a bit still, but they all each had their own individual reasonings for being there, not being together. Cause they're mm -hmm. trying to bring Ben back to the light. Eventually yeah. it, it takes again, it takes Leia and eventually he comes to terms with that. And finally he can be like, all right, all right, I'll I'll beat this guy. Let's go. Yeah, there's a there's a ton to like in the Rise of Skywalker. I'll say that, and I do love the two other movies before that. Yeah, I just wish, I just hate. I know, like I've run into the ground, and like other people have run <laughs> into the ground. I hate how knee jerk the whole thing was. I hate how much it was ping pong. Like, oh. The, people didn't like the Abrams Star Wars. We're going with Ryan Johnson. Oh, people didn't like the Ryan Johnson Star Wars. We're going with Abrams. It's like, guys, there's a reason why the first six movies were made by the same dude. <laughs> you know, like which is because whether or not you like it, they needed to have some coherence to them. You know, but I but I do think or cohesiveness. But I do think the the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi Last Jedi fit really well together. Re Last Jedi is just sub subversive um because nothing contradicts what the what the force awakens sets up like i've read the duel of the fate script uh that colin trevara wrote yeah unpopular opinion it's not a very good script really but it also doesn't contradict mm -hmm. anything that happens in the force awakens or anything that happens in uh the last jedi and so it's a movie that i respect and 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 think even again it's not a really good script i think it would have ended up still being the worst of the new trilogy but it's a movie that would have worked a lot better within the context of the new trilogy mm. 
There are some things I wish, though, they would have taken because originally they were supposed to go to Coruscant. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to go to the Jedi Temple and like turn on this beacon and whatnot to get people to come. They're supposed to like Coruscant's been deserted for like years since the rule of the Empire. Yeah. So that I would have liked to have seen. I'd like to have seen Coruscant just deserted in all these brushes, all these crazy yeah. animals they were supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. Again, there's a lot of stuff to like in that script, Uh, like the ghost of Luke grabbing the saber of Ren as he goes to slice him. There's art, there's visual art to it, and it's an awesome looking supposed shot. Ray had a dual bladed blue lightsaber uh, that she could break apart and handle two lightsabers. Gosh, that's so cool for dang it. <laughs> there's, that's a, there's, freaking an, dope. <laughs> there's an entire scene which is like Finn um, hyping up the rally and, and basically starting something very similar to the French Revolution. Yeah. There's, there's art to it that feels very much like shots that you've seen in Les Mis, which is a very weird thing to bring into a Star Wars conversation. No, but that, but, no, that's like, I mean, yeah. that's the thing is like, a lot of Star Wars is referential to a lot of different elements of history. Exactly. I mean, like, you go into how much the samurai are based, I mean, uh, the Jedi are based off of, like samurai mm-hmm. and knights, especially with their code yeah. or, or samurai and, you know, Sith, and then how much the Forced and midichlorians have like religious aspects, religious and mythological aspects to them, you know. Yeah. I mean, shoot, like Anakin was a freaking, you know, was the Star Wars Jesus. You know, he was born, he was a virgin birth, you know. Yeah. Right? So, I I mean, there's a lot of historical context that goes into it. So, like, having something like Les Mis, especially when you have the rebellion going on, is like Mm -hmm. a very apt comparison and point of like, I know. Um, inspiration for the Star Wars series, I would say. Yeah, and it looked really cool. You can find the art online. It's like people jumping over the barricades, and the barricades are made of old destroyed X-Wings and TIE Fighters and old ships and old parts of buildings and streets, and it just looks awesome. Gosh. Kylo was supposed to spend quite a bit of time on Mustafar, too. Go to, like, Vader's castle and try to find his lightsaber and all that, like... That's one one part of the story that I like, but I don't like like the, the big master that he gets there. This weird, even ridiculous looking alien. I love the aliens in Star Wars, but I just feel like that doesn't feel like well, the right master for, for. I I liked him. I liked Snoke. You know, Snoke or Snoke or Snoke. Snoke. Yeah, Snoke. Okay, I liked him. I just hate it that we find out he's like a clone of a clone of a clone of a clone or whatever. Yeah, like, like I, I felt like he could be cool. I. I liked that he was big because it was kind of a contrast to, you know, Palpatine being small and frail. You know, it was kind of like this kind of duality thing. But, and like, that's the thing. If they had, like, if Ryan Johnson had done a third movie as well, it would have been so much more cohesive to me. It would have been so much cooler to me. Absolutely. Then it would have been contiguous. But Abrams' original vision for the trilogy was awesome to me. And, you know, like, I like how he ended. He, I think he ended things as best as he could, you know. I just wish that there had been like one director for all three, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I enjoyed each movie for different reasons, you know. So yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like crap on any of them. I'm not gonna like say anyone's wrong for. I well, they are they are wrong. I'm just not gonna say <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's about what you like. You know, it's like just because it's not for me doesn't mean it shouldn't be for someone else. But yeah. I still enjoyed this trilogy. I just wish it had ended on a higher note for me since it was like the culmination of like nine movies and three trilogies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's the thing about Disney, though. Like, there's everybody's got their opinions on it. There's people who love it, people who hate it. You got mm-hmm. some people who are like really mixed on it. But me as a Star Wars fan, I've enjoyed everything Disney's put out. I, I've had fun watching all the movies. I've had fun playing the games. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say they're you know perfect by any means, or there's nothing wrong with any of them. It's just for me as a fan with being a casual fan from like 2006 till about 2014 when the trailer for the force awakens came out and like that old inner me coming back out, loving star Wars again, being obsessed, wanting to see the movies, buying shirts, buying a bunch of this stuff back here, posters, <laughs> man, I, my, my life is star Wars again. Like yeah, and it, 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 it hasn't stopped since 2014. That's the thing. Cause uh, look, the prequels for me, uh, specifically episodes one and two, they're not good movies. They're really, really bad movies. But guess what? I love Star Wars, all that Star Wars is. And every year I watch, well, now, all nine movies, even the bad ones, because they're like the drunk, drug-addicted uncle that you <laughs> on Christmas and Easter. He's a bad example. He's not good company, but he's still family. And it's Star Wars, man. So I watched them all. Oh my gosh! I, I like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, again, I brought this up before. I like the sequels as a whole trilogy more than the prequels. But man, I still love Episode Three. It's still, yeah, I love that movie so much. And that kind of goes. I enjoy Episode Three as well. That kind of goes back into my whole like I like parts of them. But like not mm-hmm. them as a whole is like I really like them building everything up. I like the idea of the Clone Wars and them delving back into the nature of clones in the Star Wars universe. You know, like them bringing that back into play. I like that we actually get to see Anakin's fall from grace and him become st- like you know Vader in the third one, as well as like all the conflicting emotions and like just distressy discord he had going on that led to him kind of t- towing the line between being like a gray Jedi or just an outright Sith. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, those weren't, like you said, those weren't like great movies. And I also hate how they did my boy, you know, Grievous Dirty. You know, it was like watching oh, the yeah. Gandhi, Tarkovsky or whatnot. Um, uh, start, like we talked about last time, the Cartoon Network uh, Clone Wars miniseries. Like, and seeing how freaking frightening Grievous was in that one. Wielding four lightsabers, six lightsabers. And then watching him in the, you know, Clone Wars was just like, man, like, <laughs> this is a disappointment. Come on. <laughs> Although they, the one thing they did do was Maul. Like, Maul was just like a little minor character mm-hmm. episode one. And now he's just this fully fleshed out Sith slash whatever you want to call him. But yeah, like they brought such a like life to him instead of just, oh yeah, he's, he's an assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not one of the best Star Wars characters overall. Well, it's one of those where he is like cool as heck though, but that's also the problem. Is like you said, Austin, they did a great job of like fleshing him out like post like you know, post uh killing him. Movie. Well yeah, po- <laughs> yeah, yeah, like after killing him, like they did a great job of fleshing him out, you know, like but it's like they hyped him up so much in the like before episode one, like the Phantom Menace, that like it just also okay, I'm gonna ask a really dumb question. Is is he is he the Phantom Menace? Like, who is no. the? Okay, no. yep. Cal Palpatine. Palpatine. Phantom okay, Man. yep. Thought thought so. Thought I'd ask anyways. It's taking me twenty eight years of my life to ask that question. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, 
question. Hey, man, no, nothing but, wrong with asking questions, dude. No, but I mean, like, I, I guess I say that as a half joke, but as like a real thank you for clarifying. Um, but it's like, yeah, they like, you know, set the focus so much on like Darth Maul. And then like he played such a little role in the actual plot mm-hmm. of the film that, you know, it just felt like we were deprived of like having that character fleshed out at the least. Yeah, I think they should have had instead of Darth Maul and then Count Dooku, I think they should have just had either Darth Maul or or Count Dooku as like the main Mm. Sith that everyone knows is around and and Palpatine stays behind the scenes. I would have been more invested in Dooku if you would have actually got to see him in episode one, like turning, seeing Qui-Gon getting killed. I would be more invested, but Mm. other than that, I'm not the biggest fan of Dooku in the series. I mean, he's played no. by a great actor in the late Christopher yeah. Lee, but he's needs, he needs a mall treatment. Yeah. yeah. He does have one. He does have one. Hang on. Uh, here it is. You got to read this book. Wait, wait, can you turn that? Can you turn that to the side? Like, uh, oh yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Page counts over like a hundred. I can't do it, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is that is is it canon though? Uh, it is. You oh. can get the, uh, you can get the audiobook and just have someone reading it to you as you work out. There you go. I yeah. I just prefer actually reading and touching. No, I, I I joke about it, but I do too. It's like I I sometimes have problems with like ebooks just because I like having oh, like yeah. a book, the physical book in my hand. Or if I do if I do read an ebook, I feel like I have to like have the physical copy of it. I don't know yeah. why. It's it's weird, but. That is awesome. Like, but yeah, I guess we haven't. We kind of need to get back to the Mandalorian, maybe like episode. Yeah, Mandalorian. I'm sorry. Episode nine or part nine or chapter nine. Chapter, chapter there nine. We go. Chapter nine. Thank you. There's another big thing I know I want to talk to you guys. I, I don't even know what it is. Can't think about it. It's gone. <laughs> I had it and it escaped me. Gosh, I mean, yeah. At the end of at the end of the day, I don't know. I still feel like, yeah. I, I know I said it was like kind of a safe episode, but I still feel like it was a good episode, if not great episode. Like, just because I still really like the end fight scene, like, or just like you know all these people coming together, setting aside their differences, coming up against the crate uh, dragon. But I like watching Timothy Oliphant, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just like that we got the Mandalorian back, baby. I mean, come on, like this. And it was, I said safe episode, but there's nothing wrong with that when you're starting a series back up. You know, there's no need to throw everyone in the deep end of, like, plot dump. And you still had enough, like, Easter eggs and, like, plot points sewn throughout the episode so subtly that when you guys pointed them back out to me, it's like, huh, I guess I would need to watch the episode a second time and probably will to get that, like, kind of level of, like, nuance. Yeah, I I just watched it again before we hopped on here and... uh... One thing I want. Oh, okay, I I remember what it is. Can we talk about how swole that he got over time? Oh, the Mandalorian, or oh, dude, oh, he yeah. is, dude, he is yeah. like, he's, yeah, he's massive now. He is. I don't know why. That was the first thing I noticed. Like, man, he looks like <laughs> like he's he's Jack now, man. Yeah, I I noticed it particularly on the scene when they're flying around, and then they. They sat down on on the rock next to the Great Dragon's face, and you see the shot from behind, and you just see 
his shoulders are so large and so bulky now. And and that's probably not even Pedro Pascal. So it's either John Wayne's grandson or the other guy who I'm forgetting who doubles for Mando. But he is huge. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I don't know why. It was just distracting to me. I'm like, man, Mando, wow. Putting they probably put on that helmet over and over and over again. They probably would. I mean, like, I feel like, yeah, maybe like Pascal was probably like working out like offset, you know, like, because it's a big series. You kind of got to at that point. That's kind of the expectation. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I hadn't even like thought about that until now. But yeah, I did feel like he felt a little bit boxier or larger for some reason. Like, something felt like a little bit different physically. But I didn't know if that was just him, like, like the me watching like the doubles or like watching him actually, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know why that popped up in my head and I wanted to talk about that for whatever reason, but uh, yeah, I guess I think we've kind of pretty much covered everything. I mean, we talked about the new character, Vance. I mean, we talked about Boba Fett's resurgence or yeah, Boba Fett's resurgence, the time we got on Tatooine, the production value, how it's definitely gone up and everything. I mean I'm just hoping they can maintain that consistently because like you said, this episode looked freaking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't like shy away from like the crate dragon. Like I mean, like just showing it, like watching its movements, like it felt very pro- like prominent in the scenes it was in. So I felt like I was watching Tremors. Oh, that's what I was Oh, good call. That's good what I was call. thinking of. That was the first you. thing. That was, yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw them coming through. I'm like, man, that's that's well, that that's a graboid. Well, that's the thing. It's like when I saw it, I was like, okay, it's not a sar. I, I don't know why I thought it was like a sarlacc. I thought like a pit was I opening up. I thought so too. Yeah, but I was like, okay, it's not a sarlacc. Like, what is it? Like, why does this make me think of like some other like weird monster? And that that's it was a freaking graboid. Yeah, <laughs> freaking Kevin Bacon trim. Like, come on. Oh gosh. Love that movie, man. It's so good. God. Yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing too. Like when the dragon actually came out of the nest, like and it opened its mouth. That was the first thing I thought of too. I'm like, that man, that looks like the inside of a sarlacc pit. Yeah, right. But then they brought out earlier with uh the Tuscan Raiders saying that, oh no, he ate eats abandoned sarlacc pits. Like, oh gosh. Which that's great is fighting the thing that eats sarlax or I mean I guess abandoned sarlax but still ugh. yeah yeah that's that's kind of terrifying but I mean all in all like if you had to give this out of ten what would you guys rate this oh dang it um, see, see me I'm like a soft eight point five but I'm at a really strong nine mm. Uh, I'm going. I'm going eight point five as well. Um, there's no particular issue I have with this episode. It's, it's just one of those. Okay, it's not perfect, but I can't really point anything. Specific. My one issue. I mentioned this in my review. My one issue with it, and it's this is really nitpicky. This is really looking for things, but it, it was the scene where they go back to the villages in Mos Pelgo, and they try to convince them to to work alongside the Tuscan Raiders. And everyone's like, oh, we don't trust those monsters. And Manu just says, oh, they're vicious, but they're trustworthy. And and if you team up with them, they'll leave you alone if you leave them alone. And they're like, oh, okay, then. I would have liked a little bit more conflict there because it's like, if it was, it's not even Cobb Vanth who says that because Cobb Vanth is some, someone they look up to, protects them. If he had said that, it would make sense for everyone to believe him, but it's Mando. Like, who is Mando to them? They don't know Mando from anywhere. 
This is actually not a bad point now that you bring yeah. it up. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's just the status of him being a Mandalorian or what the deal is. Also true. Again, it's it's very nitpicky in the whole context of this episode. I just wanted them to team up. And and on the on the other side of that, I was really happy that there was no betrayal as they were putting yeah. the bombs yeah. underneath the earth. And like, oh, I'm like, oh, is someone going to betray someone? And mm-hmm. infighting is going to start. I was really happy that didn't happen. I also like that I'm uh Timothy uh gosh uh Cobb Vanth right mm-hmm. okay I can't I think I think Cole or Cobe or Cole okay either way I really like that Cobb Vanth like also wasn't like this like shoot from the hip sort of guy like you know like they both waited until they agreed it was like the right time to detonate the you know detonate yeah. the charges so it's like oh it wasn't like someone jumping the gun it just literally didn't work you know so I think that was also a nice little addition because it's like okay. Like the, the dude's like a professional <clears throat> or, you know, has like professional aspects of him. So he's not like a piece of crap. You know, it's just the plan. Yeah. Just, the initial plan just didn't work. And then they had to wing it. So that was nice. Oh, and Ren, I uh, watched your review. Uh, mm. Those armadillo dogs, as you like to call them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know what they were. Armadillo dogs. Yeah, They're called uh, massifs. Massive. Okay. I don't think I, we've seen them before. I don't remember at least. So that's why I, they look like dogs and they look like they have that armadillo parts on top of them. So I was like, those armadillo, armadillo dogs. dogs. You, you see it. them for like a split second in uh, episode two before Anakin starts killing all the Tuscans. Oh, okay. That's why I don't remember them because they're only in episode two. I like to forget. It's okay. Then each year it's like something new I watch and oh, I still don't like this. <laughs> I hear you on that one, man. So, what would you rate this episode? I'm gonna go ahead and give it a five plus three. I'm giving it an eight. Um, I, I liked it. Like I said, I really liked it, but like I would have to watch it again to see if like my rating goes up. But like mm-hmm. I, I would give it like a hard eight for now. Um, just because it didn't do anything too too spectacular for me. Like I loved it in terms of the I love the action. I love the scenery. Like everything, but like just from there's like some like innate in me that's like I feel like I wasn't rewarded enough from a plot perspective for like watching this. I don't know why, like because like I said, like seeing Boba Fett was a huge deal, mm-hmm. but I just didn't feel like the plot progressed as much as I wanted it to be, like for the first episode. But I mean, for chapter nine coming back, but oh, oh well, that's that's a hard thing. It had to. I don't know. That's that's me. I'm I'm saying eight. I'm sticking with it for now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's trying to do, though, like what it did with the very first episode. It's kind of bringing us slowly back into this world of Mandalorian mm-hmm. that we haven't seen in a year now since this, the show's been done. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, the whole playing it safe kind of thing, because I got vibes of, like, episode four when they're yeah. going to the village and trying to fight the ATST and stuff. Like, it's yep. very similar to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's a variant on it. Uh, a very again, it's a very classic um, Western plot, mm-hmm. the structure and everything. It just does something interesting and cool with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there wasn't like much like kind of character growth or development. Yeah. Like, which once again isn't a bad thing. I think that can be overrated when you're just like watching something for fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it like a bad like i'm not saying it all in a bad way like i said i really like the character interactions that was important to me but like just from like for whatever reason for the first episode i kind of wanted like a little bit more like conflict started or like something like put in motion more but i don't know i'd have to see it play out yeah understandable i can see i can see where you're coming from 
I mean, we still got seven more episodes. I mean, hopefully. Thanks. Ooh. Right. Oh yeah, no, it's all gonna it's all gonna play it's all gonna pay off. But yeah, um, I cannot wait. I can't. It, I'm already excited for next week. Like I can't wait. Let's freaking go, baby. Ooh. So, anything else you guys want to touch on? I mean, I, like I said, I think we pretty much covered on everything. Do we know the name of the next episode? Uh, I saw it's, it online. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because uh. I looked online a couple weeks ago, and the name for this episode was completely different from what it said it was going to be. Like this oh, was going to be what? called, yeah, this was going to be called the Search. Hmm. But now, oh. and it was called the Marshal. So I, I guess I don't even know what next week's episode is going to be. The Search does make sense. He was searching for it, but maybe that's part of it, right? Is like, yeah, yeah, because he, you know, it was a search, but still, I don't know. Okay, well, I, according to IMDb, the next episode doesn't have a title yet. All right. Well, dang. Let's freaking go. Because well, I know they've done that a few times with Star Wars. Like, I think episode eight was called, like, Black Diamond. It's There's, like, a back... Oh. Like a, I don't remember what yeah. exactly like the Like, the is. internal name. Like, this, yeah. the pr- production name. Like, the production yeah, there, name. Yeah, there yeah the working title. Working title. Yep, that's... Yeah. Because, uh, like, like, A New Hope, I think, it's called, like, Blue Harvest. No, I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's return. I th- I believe I might be wrong, but I think that's return. Yeah, of one the of them is one of them is Blue Harvest. I remember that one. I mean, like even the X, the new Xbox was called like Scorpio or Scarlet or something. Like all of those things have like production names. It's, it's weird. Now, the next episode doesn't have a, a title yet. I can't find it anywhere. Okay. But yeah, that's all I have. I mean, I just want to see the next episode and see where we go from here. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, got to wait a whole other week, man, but it'll be well worth it. It'll be worth yeah. it. All right. So, all right, guys, that is going to do it for our live review of episode one of season two of The Mandalorian. I want to thank my two co-hosts, Annie and Ren, for stopping by. Very excited for next week. Hopefully, we can continue to keep making this a weekly thing. Yes, sir. Well, yeah. If not... They will do like a dual episode or something. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, all right, guys. I guess with that being said, make sure you guys hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. Go and check out these guys' channels. I will link them down below in the description box. And we'll see you next time.